Welcome to The Forbidden Doctor. I'm Mary Stockwell, and my husband, Dr. Jack Stockwell. That's me. Yep. We're going to give you some more forbidden information, and I want you to always remember that The Forbidden Doctor is you. Yes. Inside of you. We're going to bring out that forbidden doctor inside of you. And the last podcast, we were getting into autoimmunity, and we were talking about cell-mediated immunity and humoral-mediated immunity, and those are big fancy words for two things. Your body recognizing an invader has come into your body and it makes you, quote, sick and you get all these um, excretionary symptoms of fevers and mucus and diarrhea and stomach cramps. And then the humoral immunity comes in, which you don't really feel, and that's where it creates the antibodies. It takes about four to six weeks for these antibodies to be created. And then when that virus ever comes into your body again, your body immediately recognizes it, doesn't initiate the cell-mediated immunity where you get sick, quote, sick, but it will recognize it. And then you become one with the world. Isn't that beautiful? Well, that's the, yes. Then you can live in this world and not be afraid of, you know, these huge viruses. You know, Dr. Brantley now is no longer afraid of Ebola. They're taking his blood and separating the monoclonal antibodies out of his blood and injecting it into people who have Ebola. And apparently they're responding favorably. It may, yeah. But it, it's always better if you create your own. But we're, um, we're not in the business of telling you to do have vaccinations or not. We're just explaining the forbidden information that you haven't heard before. And the previous podcast so, got into that. Yes. The whole idea behind the two immune systems and the idea of using vaccinations to bypass the cell-mediated so you don't get sick to go straight into the humoral-mediated. So here we are in a very abnormal situation where we get a massive amounts of vaccinations and in those vaccinations are these adjutants. These are in the vaccinations that help our bodies or the very goal is to create these antibodies. But we do it in a very no abnormal way. We, we go down to the county health clinic and get shot up with, you know, the pertussis, the... Um, Mumps, Mom. rubella. Ah, smallpox. I don't know if they do smallpox anymore, but they do polio. and Polio and, hasn't been around for 20 years. Yeah, and they're not going to let The only people that. who get polio now, and, and the CDC and the NIH and the FDA will admit this, are people who get polio shots. Yeah. So, but, but abnormally, we get all of these viruses, but it's not even so much the viruses we get put in us. It's these horrible irritants, these neurotoxins of mercury and aluminum and formaldehyde that are so toxic and so much, we get so many of these put into us that we create these antibodies. And, and that's the type of diseases we're getting now are these, these antibodies, these autoantibodies now created against our own tissue. Well, this is one of the biggest growing areas of medical research and medical problems. Yeah. Now, the number one killer is still heart disease. Cancer is hot on its tail. Which is And now an it's this explosion of autoimmune diseases mm -hmm. that are showing up. Lupus being one of the premier examples where the body is attacking the liver, the body is attacking the kidneys, the body is attacking the adrenals. Uh, we're finding out one of the serious side effects of concussions and sports concussions, especially football, soccer, basketball, wrestling. Is an uh, autoimmune to your brain. Is this autoimmune attack against the brain yeah. where, the, where the bloodstream actually has antibodies mm -hmm. floating in the bloodstream for the brain. So uh, traumatic brain injury, TBI, 
They're now referred to it as you get two or three of these and you're going to have brain autoantibodies floating through the bloodstream. So what's important here is the whole idea of a very healthy gut communicating with the immune system, communicating with the brain so that we follow Mother Nature's program of going through cell-mediated immunity, creating humoral immunity, and then you never have to worry about that bugger virus again. And, and what the vaccination program has done is to completely turn that up on its head and get the cart before the horse. We're going to bypass cell-mediated and go straight to humoral so the kids don't have to get sick. I mean, you know, what parent wants their kids to get sick? And yet, <clears throat> when I was a child, there were block parties for um chicken pox chicken pox yeah block parties for mumps yeah oh bobby down the but street but wait 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 did pox. they have block parties for chicken pox rubella pertussis and smallpox all, at the, same all time? at the same time no of course not good point excellent point so we uh, we have actually produced this this abnormal antibody production in our bodies and so that's why it's the fastest growing segment of disease in our in the world is these autoimmune they, diseases. And these kids weren't around when I was in grade school. These 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 kids with these chronic oh, autoimmune chronic disease stuff. I mean, how many kids? You know, you grew up in Southern Utah. I grew up in Maryland, Virginia. When you were going through grade school, how many sick kids do you remember? There were none. I don't remember. I remember one. His name was Butch. He ended up failing the fifth grade. The only, that's back when kids would fail. Today, you can't fail. Today, you just get passed on. But back then, you could actually fail and have to repeat a grade. And Butch had to repeat it because he was gone so much. He missed so much He school. was sick all the time. Yeah. That's very weird. And they were made fun of. Oh, I mean. I, I, I feel guilty to this day. Which is not that, a good thing. You know, you know well, who's going to take Butch? You know, well, we've got our team. We've already picked our team. You know that. The oh. leaders of the class would pick who they want on their t and there's and there's Butch at the end. Who's yeah. going to take Butch? But now everybody's sick. Everybody but, has asthma. Everybody has <clears throat> nut allergies. What are they? That's it. That's what's going to bring and that up. Deadly. What kind of warnings do they have for parents who bring who whose kids have a school lunch? Oh, you can't even bring anything in. In fact, you can't bring anything into a school now that's not bought from a store, so it has ingredient list on it. it has to be wrapped. Un not unwrapped yeah you can't make a you, peanut butter and jelly sandwich you can't bring brownies from kids home in the school will die from the peanut <laughs> well just I mean, smelling it ridiculous yeah we are becoming a point. very fragile that's you a know, good word no survival of the fittest yeah. in our yeah. so how did we get to this point how, how i mean anywhere i think i already said this anywhere from 20 to 40 percent of the kids out there have some kind of a chronic disease how did we get there well, all these diseases are characterized by excessive antibody production, Mary. I think you said that a few minutes yes. ago. And, and that, of course, planned. was the whole point this of the vaccination the program. That was the goal. It's the goal because you need to have that stimulation in order to be able to recognize the dead or almost dead viruses put inside of you. So why would anybody expect anything else to happen? So there are those who are out there who say, well, give us safer vaccines. And the vaccine manufacturers just laugh. There's no safe vaccines. Are you kidding? We have to put these neurotoxins in the vaccine so that we can hop, skip, and jump over top of cell-mediated and go straight to humoral immunity. And then all of a sudden, the body goes nuts and starts building auto-antibodies against itself. And then diseases that you would see in someone who is 70 or 80 years old, 
two decades ago, well, it, you're seeing it in teenagers and 20s. Yeah, because y- your body doesn't break and suddenly make antibodies to your own liver. What's a liver? I mean, it suddenly went stupid. Yeah. How does the how did the liver get into the bloodstream? A liver cell get into the bloodstream? How did your body so degenerate that that you have these horrible toxins in your bloodstream, which the body does exactly what it's supposed to do and create antibodies to it? So they did a study back in where was it? The 1970s. I had this. Um, here it is. They did it on rats, and they. They put them on the standard American vaccination program, and they wanted to see if they could develop antibodies like autoimmune diseases. And they found that at a certain threshold, they could consistently and reliably get animals to create an autoimmune disease by simply vaccinating them. I don't remember reading that in the newspaper. So this has been done in animals. So the question is, has it been done in humans? It has. It's been called the last 70 years. Yes, yes, We did that. So they know this happens. They know because of this study that you can create autoimmune diseases in animals, and now they're creating them in humans. The whole idea behind a vaccine is to create an antibody. That's the whole purpose of it. You're bypassing the process that nature created to create an antibody. Why would you not expect something somewhere along the line to get out of control. Remember those? I don't remember what they were advertising on TV, but the the tagline was, you can't fool Mother Nature. (laughs) Don't try to fool Mother Nature. Yeah, well, that's all that they're trying to do here. Well, that's what the vaccine program does, is to fool Mother Nature. Yeah, so we um, get hit with all these forces, a tremendous amount of forces all day long. Some of you have been vaccinated and have already been you know, shoved into your bloodstream, mercury. And what do we do now? We always are running across forces in this world. Our bodies are built to handle this. Your body is built to set, is set to restore and repair. So let's, let's figure out how to mitigate the damage. The best way is to get a good, good gut so you can absorb the food to rebuild your liver, to rebuild your kidneys, to rebuild your lungs and your colon and your skin and your nervous system and everything else so you can detoxify yourself so you can be strong enough to withstand this huge onslaught now little kids luckily are young and they have strong bodies and it's a good thing we vaccinate them when they're little not before their first year yes but because you can't create antibodies in your first year the silliness of giving a vaccine to a baby that isn't a year old it has no capability of creating a humoral response yes it can't make antibodies yeah so but at least they're young and healthy and so they can fight some of these things off because not everybody that gets a vaccination gets autism or um, some autoimmune disease later on but it's happening more and more there's a reason the biggest subset of diseases or rather the fastest growing subset of diseases are autoimmune diseases it's because we're producing them yes, yes. <laughs> and it's not so much the people that drug companies make money on vaccinations it's on all they the do. side effects of vaccination yeah they make billions off of vaccinations but how much more do they make off of bodies that have been hurt by the vaccinations <clears throat> and by hurt you know they'll they'll say well yes there's a certain risk but the risk of some damage by vaccines to some kids is far outweighed by the benefit of getting the vaccine well maybe with and Ebola no science behind that. yeah but maybe with some of these horrible horrible you know viruses out there 
I don't know, but you you debated the um, on national radio, Doctor Paul Offit. Yes, and I debated him. This is uh, probably two three years ago. Uh, he is the uh, I guess pediatrician, the head pediatrician at Children's Baltimore Baltimore Children's Hospital in Baltimore, Maryland, and I debated him on radio over uh, vaccines, <clears throat> and I said he he talked about the the importance of vaccines, and I said, uh, Doctor Offit, the problem is simply this. There is no research to back up what you're talking about. And of course, you got all huffy and everything. And I said, there isn't. There is no long-term research that says a vaccinated child is healthier than an unvaccinated child. And there is no long-term research that says an unvaccinated child is healthier than a vaccinated child. And by long-term, I mean decades, 10, 20, 30 years because there are 10, 20, 30-year-long studies on heart disease and 10, 20, 30-year studies on cancer and on arthritis and, and rheumatoid and various types of infectious diseases. But there's no long-term studies on vaccinations and whether they're beneficial or not. So someone comes along and says, well, I happen to know a vaccinated child is healthier than unvaccinated. And they're speaking from a religious belief. Just as that aspect of our community where parents choose not to vaccinate a child, and they'll come out and say, well, I happen to know that an unvaccinated child is healthier than a vaccinated. We don't know. There aren't any studies to back that up. Although parents who do not vaccinate their kids may very well claim, well, they never get sick. You know, Like our get, child. They'll get, like <laughs> our child, who, who is uh, almost 15, has never had a needle, uh, occasionally will get a fever, occasionally will throw up, you know, and by occasionally, I mean maybe once a year, once every two years, he comes in contact with something, he picks up something his body's not familiar with, and it goes through cell-mediated immunity. And what's it? Ha what happens in cell-mediated immunity? Your body makes itself sick to deal with this thing, and sleeping down the hallways of justice somewhere in the bloodstream is the humoral aspect that hears that sickness and responds with the formation of an antibody for that particular pathogen. Although I disagree. I don't think it's really sick. I think it's a healthy response. Well, I'm using the term that parents would I know, use with but their I child. About that oh, a child got sick. <laughs> oh, and they rush off to the emergency no. room or they rush off to the pediatrician when the body's going through a normal, as you say, healthy. a normal, healthy response. Yes. So I no, that's a good distinction and I'm glad you and I I'm glad you brought that up. And now uh, there are, I don't know how many diseases, 30, 40 diseases that you can be vaccinated against now. And some of this, you know, it, it goes back to the, to the Patriot Act. I don't want to say a whole lot about that, but the, the thing that concerns me the most is this vaccine compensation board where, you know, p you know, people remember that out of 9-11, we got the Patriot Act. And now the Patriot Act, uh, part of one of the little clauses in there in the Patriot Act says that you can't sue a vaccine company if you get vaccine damage. Well, we were worried about bioterrorism and anthrax and everything else. So they were That's trying true. to create a, yes. a vaccination, a vaccine for anthrax. And so that was part Just of the Just like they're rushing to make a vaccine with Ebola now. And, and unless you have multiple year tests with a vaccine, because it's, it's like that debate I had with Dr. Offit that I was mentioning here a few moments ago. And, and he comes back and he says, oh, yes, we do have long-term studies. And I said, Dr. Offit, I would, here's my email. I would greatly appreciate your sending me that so I can stop giving false information <laughs> to my listening audience on my talk radio show. Because I'm in my 20th year of talk radio, and I often mention this. So 
surprise of surprises, he sends it to me. Dr. Stockwell, here's the information you requested. So I open it up, and it's a study he did two weeks. On 15? On 15 kids in the hospital, a two-week study that the kids that got this vaccine were healthier than the kids that didn't get that vaccine. 15, 15 kids. 15 kids over a two-week period. Well, yes, you inject this stuff into the body. The body's going to respond to it, and it may make some antibodies to that disease, but it usually takes the body anywhere from 7 to 14 days, sometimes three weeks to make antibodies for certain kinds of diseases. So the way they measured the success of the vaccine wasn't that these kids didn't get sick down the road when reintroduced to that pathogen. It was the presence of antibodies in the blood. So it wasn't a test that the vaccine worked. It was a test that showed that the vaccine could stimulate the presence of antibodies. Well, why do we keep giving boosters? And what happened a year later? What happened five years later, 10 years later to those same kids? And what was the increase in autoantibodies? There's or I no, mean, autoimmune we problems. We don't know autoimmune because diseases. there's no studies. Yeah. All we know is that there are children now with chronic diseases, asthma, eczema, digestive disorders, behavioral disorders, psychological disorders, things that go on and on with kids who aren't even in puberty yet. So if you're Merck Pharmaceuticals and you make a vaccine and you kill a thousand people or many of them get autoimmune diseases, you can't be held liable. No, because of the Patriot the Act. Uh -huh. They're all protected now. So they don't have to go through the extensive multi-million dollar testing programs they can just make it. Well, we've got a new vaccine. And, and those, Here it is. And those are the, the things. And, and, and even still, they're not all reported. I, we had a patient in our clinic whose 12-year-old daughter went and got a vaccination, her Gardasil shot, and she fainted, poof, dead in that. Well, she didn't die, but she fainted in the clinic. And the mother said, I brought her back to the clinic over and over and over again in the next two weeks because she would stop breathing. Yeah. I mean, it was so bad. And they insisted it had nothing to do with the vaccination. Even though her collapse followed the injection. Yes. And she said, I had to force them to report it to the National Vaccine Board or whatever they have to. They wouldn't do it. And she said, you know, if I hadn't insisted, insisted, they would have never reported this adverse reaction. Yes. So how mm. many don't get reported? Well, I can tell some anecdotal stories myself of the same thing with some of the stories I've heard from patients. But I, we don't need to do that here. No. What is important is that there is no long-term research to substantiate the validity, the efficacy of a vaccine. There isn't any. No, except for the study I just mentioned at the beginning so, about the rats. Let's sum this up in three basic ideas here. Here it is. We're coming towards cold flu virus season, and, and I'm going to be asked this question. Maybe you will this week as well, or at least sometime in the next couple of weeks. Do we get the flu vaccine? And I'm going to tell them that's your decision. That's not my decision. That's your decision to make. However, there are some things that you might want to consider. And that is that there was actually this study, and it was printed in JAMA back in 1999, looking at the incidence of vaccines and actually the death rate from infectious diseases since 1940. And what is clear is that the death rate was going way down before the vaccine showed up. And you can get any, you know, you can go to a health food store. And almost all of them will have a small library somewhere. And there's books on vaccines. Neil Miller's books are good. Judith DeCava's books are good on the information about vaccines. And they usually have pro and con information in there, which I think is a very fair way to approach it. <clears throat> and they'll show you 
that when the scarlet fever vaccine showed up, scarlet fever was almost completely gone. When the measles vaccine showed up, measles was almost completely gone. Polio was more than 90% eradicated by the time the polio vaccine showed up. Cleaned up up our water. Pertussis, the same thing. Mm -hmm. You can go on and, yeah, when the, when the public health acts came stop out. stop drinking our feces. Yeah, you stop drinking <laughs> polluted water, people stop getting sick, and these diseases disappeared. But the pharmaceutical company said, man, this is a land office rush here going on now, what we could make off of these vaccines. And so the fear started, the religious belief started, and I, and I treat vaccines as a religion because just as, there, just as it's very difficult to argue the existence of God based on what's going on on this planet. Uh, There are people who can put forth a very good argument that God exists. There are people who can put a very good atheistic argument together. But there's still, there's no evidence, empirical evidence to support either view, except in the mind of the person representing their particular viewpoint. Well, it's the same thing with vaccines. There's no scientific evidence to prove they're better or they're not better. There's no scientific evidence to prove that they hurt you any more than that they help you. So this JAMA so it's article. So just belief. So this JAMA article, and I'm surprised they printed it in JAMA, but they did. It showed that there was a, that the most of these diseases were disappearing by the time the vaccine showed up. So there's a huge question whether they work or not. Number two is the excipients, the adjuvants, the stuff that they put into these vaccines, the, the mercury, the formaldehyde, the aluminum, the polysorbate, 60 or 90 or whatever it is. They're all neurotoxins. Which means they're toxic to the nervous system. The ner- and your brain is the nervous system. There is a Just that. protein in the brain called tubulin that forms the dendrite extensions coming off the body of the nerve. And there is a video out there mm-hmm. that you can Google. Google tubulins, Google, Google uh Mercury and the brain, yeah, these I kinds of about things. This a couple of podcasts. Yeah, it's ago. out there. It's it's still there. It was I think it was done by the University of Calgary, if I remember correctly, where they filmed uh, actual dendritic brain cells in the presence of mercury. Well, they were growing. They showed them in a petri t- dish. Oh, that's what it was. Yes. And they the brain cells were literally alive and growing, and they introduced mercury. Mercury didn't even touch the brain tissue. It was over on the other side of the dish. It's like it smelled it or something. And the brain tissue shrank and died. Died right there in a matter of seconds. Never even touched it. That's how toxic mercury is. Yeah. And so, and and the reason these things have been put in there, we're told, is because they're preservatives, <laughs> which is a bold-faced lie. It's, it's, it's not a- that, it's that they stimulate, they artificially shock the immune system into responding to the attenuated or dead virus that's present in that inoculation so that the body will make antibodies to that. So if your body, if you get sick after the flu shot, that's actually a good thing. Yes. See, it's those that don't get sick. I mean, it's always the big thing that they let us believe that when you get the flu shot, if somebody gets sick, everybody runs around that's against vaccinations and says, ha-ha, you get the flu from the flu shot. Well, actually, that's a good thing if you get the flu. If you have a 
a cell mediated response that's for that. The, I couldn't have said it better. Yes. Absolutely. So that's a healthy body that has the cell mediated response. I mean, granted, if it doesn't have some response to mercury going in your body, now I don't know that they've figured this out to where they have just so much mercury, just so much aluminum, just so much of this to where they're trying not to get used. They're trying not to have these excretionary, the sick response, the yes. sick response because then people will stop getting the you shot. my kid sick. But actually, that's the way you can tell it's worked. If you have that response, yes. then hopefully you'll make antibodies to that dead virus that they put inside you. I mean, that way you maybe do get immunized towards that virus. Maybe. We're just guessing. Well, and again, we have no research other than the fact that at what, at a few what days expense? after the inoculation, the antibodies can be shown to be present in the bloodstream. Yeah. I think I'd rather get chickenpox. I think I'd rather get mumps. I, I did have mumps. Um, I think I'd rather, now some of these diseases I might not rather get, like Ebola, but you should only put that in your body if you have an extremely healthy gut and you've been, you've had a healthy gut for a long time. Yeah, so Because as you said, these things were intended for children with healthy guts. Yes, because bodies, they have healthy livers, healthy kidneys, healthy yes. everything. So they can handle that adjuvant. Yeah. So they can handle the poison that's given to them so that theoretically they would make an antibody as a result of that inoculation. But if they did, why do they need boosters? And yeah, why, I mean, mercury... when measles spreads to a neighborhood or whooping cough spreads to a neighborhood, most of the kids sick are those who've been vaccinated for that disease. The mercury typically isn't going to kill you. So they're not putting things in you that's going to kill you, but it's going to damage you to a point. A neurotoxin? Are you kidding me? What can that cause? What can that rip up inside of you basically so you you become so ill that in my opinion the way i think of it is the walls of your organs aren't separated and you start to kind of become mush inside and you become allergic to your own body because those that dna gets into the bloodstream yes. and you build antibodies towards your own organs i mean it's a very complicated thing but to put that inside your body is not going to necessarily kill you tomorrow Few kids do die right away sometimes, especially from Gardasil and some of these other massively um, potent neurotoxins that they put in you. But and because Gardasil is a series of shots too, right? Yes. One right after yes. another. I think that's why there's so many nervous system diseases and deaths from Gardasil. I mean, it'd be better to get ovarian, I mean, cervical cancer, as the doctor said, that was promoted, that was hired to promote the Gardasil shot has since gone, done a complete 180 flip and said it would be better to get cervical cancer. It's very curable than to get this shot and these series of massive neurotoxins being thrown into you. So those shots don't necessarily kill you, but at what cost? Yes, at what so cost? So that's the second one. What At what cost? The first one is do they work? The second thing about getting a vaccination is at what cost? Are you willing to handle that? And now I want to get into the third aspect. I don't know if this is necessarily the most insidious, but I think it might be, besides the fact that you're, the second one was to put poisons in a child's bloodstream or an adult's bloodstream. And they'll tell you there's no mercury in this stuff, but if they tell you there's no mercury, there's a lot more aluminum. And flu vaccines do have mercury in them. And that's the third one where you get the cart before the horse, where you're totally disrupting the normal immune response in a child by bypassing cellular or cell immunity. And so... I'm not going to tell somebody whether they should get a vaccine or not, but I can tell you the way to look at it is the potential benefit 
versus the risks that are involved of putting this kind of stuff inside the system and knowing that whenever there's an, an outbreak or an epidemic, you know, at least half the people there who got it are those who are, are vaccinated. Those who weren't vaccinated, who get the measles, who get the chicken pox, who get the whooping cough, their bodies are going to go through the normal response of cell-mediated and then humoral immunity where they build antibodies for the rest of their life through the normal process. So that you can say to yourself, uh, you know, I know giving myself a chickenpox vaccine will shift my child more towards allergies, autoimmune diseases, and even cancer, all these, the, all these kinds of diseases. I know it'll create some neurotoxicity, but I'm willing to live with, the ch- I'm willing to live with that so they won't get chickenpox. Yeah, they're willing to live with that danger risk because they're not willing to live with the chance of them getting chickenpox. Fine. What I don't like is when the county health department or the school nurse or somebody like that comes out and says, do the vaccine, they work great, there's no downside. Yeah. Now, you know, I got a problem with that because that's not the truth. There is a that's a fairy downside. tale. Yeah. Just so you're aware, go ahead, vaccinate, but make sure you're aware. Well, you know, it's, it, you know some people, there's a certain risk tolerance that you have to decide what you're going to do. You know, and, and so you see this whooping cough and you see measles. Hey, I've been in practice 25 years. I've been taking care of people 25 years. And you and I happen to be, even though we're alternative health care providers, you and I happen to be the primary health care provider for a lot of people and a lot of families. How many cases of measles have you seen? I haven't seen any. How many whooping coughs? How many, you know, how many... Um, well, I was going to say scarlet fever, but you hardly see any of that anymore because we cleaned our water up. Measles, these kinds of things. How many have you seen? I haven't seen any. I haven't seen it either. Have you seen one measle? No. Not one polio? I've had some calls where people think they had measles, but I've never, I've never, or polio. You know, I've seen some post-polio, but that's, these people are 60, 70, 80 years old. They got polio back in the 50s. I, you know. So the herd mentality is, is that, we need to keep vaccinating so these diseases don't pop up again. Thinking, or they say actually, well, we'll stop vaccinating when this, when this disease is completely eradicated from the face of the earth. But that's not true. Polio hasn't been around for a good 20 years. And they haven't, it hasn't even been brought up to stop vaccinating for polio. Yeah, so if there's, no, if there's been no polio for 20 years in the Western world, why do they keep vaccinating for polio? Well, <laughs> as soon as we get everybody vaccinated, then there won't be any more. Well, there hasn't been any, and not everybody's vaccinated for polio. Well, it's a huge moneymaker, and they're so confident in these vaccines that they give to their kids that they think there's going to be no consequences, no downside. They say that. So They say that. There's so no downside. Point, they're very safe. So from their point of mind, what difference does it make? They should be just fine. And so... What I, I want to wrap this back around, and you know, we, we've been talking here for a while, and this is the second one we're doing on uh, the gut and vaccinations. But I want to, I want to bring this back to the, eye, the idea of the cellular mediated, the, the humoral mediated. And so where, are the, where is the cell mediated system in the body? Because we talk about where uh, the, the gut is 85, 86% of our, you know, depending on what school you went to and whose book you're reading. Uh, at least 85% of our immune system is in the gut. Why is it located in the gut? Because that's the porous world that exists between the outside world and the inside world. Yeah, you put things right into that. You know, your body does a great job. If somebody comes within three feet of you, 
your skin turns a little bit acidic. That's, a, ward, that's amazing function. To ward off vaccination, or to ward off um, viruses and whatever else. If somebody kisses you, it goes on red alert. But that's where the opening is to the inside of our body is through our mouth. So 80 to 85% of our immune system is in our gut because that's the biggest opening for toxicity to get inside of our bodies. So that's why we keep that healthy. The other is the spleen, the lymph system, the the, the lymph bone nodes marrow. are the police stations of yeah. the immune system. Yeah. Because and how do those stay healthy? But by the gut, by enabling you being enabled to absorb nutrition. That's how you keep the lymph system healthy the, and exercise the too. The thymus gland makes T cells. Yep. That's why they're called T cells. They're mm -hmm. made in the thymus. Those T cells end up inside the uh, lymph nodes. Mm -hmm. They end up in the crypts in the uh, gut-associated lymphatic tissue uh, of the gut, <clears throat> in these uh, pyres patches that line the gut. That's where the, the, the police stations of the immune system are located in the gut or in pyres patches because these things are on constant patrol looking for things that might get through the gut wall into the bloodstream that will create the immune reaction, which, according to you, Mary, is a good thing. Beautiful thing. Will lead it's a to healthy the, thing. It's a beautiful, healthy thing. <laughs> and so how do we keep our immune system strong? What is the first thing you would do with somebody with a sluggish immune response? And by that, I mean, Mary, I don't know what to do with my kids. They're just sick all the time. And I would go, yay, they're healthy. <laughs> That's really a beautiful thing. I wouldn't want to necessarily suppress that. Now, chronic disease and chronic problems there's an issue there. That's when you need to strengthen the gut. Right. And that's the thing I want to get to. Yeah. That's, that's what, what you were you trying tell, to push me towards. That's, I'm trying to herd you into this <laughs> because we've been talking for a while on this subject and we need to kind of summarize here. So that when they come to you and say, Mary, my kids are sick all the time. You say, yippee. And they go, what? <laughs> well, your system is working, but maybe we could strengthen a certain part of the body so that those sicknesses are mediated to some degree where they just get a little sniffle, a little fever, and then it's over with. And the thing that we strengthen is the gut. We heal the gut. Yes. Because that's where most of the immune system and, is. And we talked about how to heal the gut in a couple podcasts ago. We'll do it some more. But basically, it comes down to this. Eat what you crave. Now, you do have to get the abnormal cravings out of your life, like alcohol and sugar and I should put sugar first and then alcohol. That's probably more of a problem. But you get those abnormal cravings out and you eat what you crave. Your body knows everything on this earth. It knows every nutrient. You know, I had a craving the other morning for eggs. Yeah. No, I like eggs. Most of us crave but fat. But I had a craving for yeah, eggs. Yeah, we crave fat and we crave salt and we crave protein and we crave pork. <laughs> We crave all these things, red meat, we're not supposed to be eating if we listen to the medical side. So that's the beauty of your forbidden doctor inside of you. You will take care of you. Let's move away from trying to heal our bodies from the outside in by taking all these drugs and doing surgery because our bodies just break. What happened? How did it just go off track? And let's start healing from the inside out. Let's start listening to our body. Let's start listening to what we want to eat, what we desire, what we're passionate for. The two things that society has really downplayed, especially religious societies, are passions and our desires. And let's use those to our benefit and let's eat what we crave. 
You ever get you ever get an urge to just run off to the seashore? Yes. We were recently in Southern California for a conference, a health conference, and we skipped out a part of it and <laughs> ran off to the ocean. We and walked in the ocean. How did you feel walking along the ocean with your feet in the water, the sunshine, the salt air, and all of the health that the ocean represents? Listen. That's where, that's where we came from. Societies that flourished in the past were the ocean-based, the shoreline societies, the Egyptian society that got its food from the ocean, the, the uh, Chinese kingdoms that flourished on the Western Pacific, the Greek kingdoms that flourished in the Mediterranean, the Venetian kingdom that flourished in the Mediterranean because of all the excitement of life that is involved in the ocean that we were able to partake of by living there. We moved inland. We kind of got sick, but that's a subject for another podcast. Okay, join us next week. We're going to have some more Forbidden Information. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Forbidden Doctor podcast and Mary's and My Health Secrets. Now, here's where you can help us help mankind by giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. We really want to join Jimmy Moore, Bulletproof Executive, Lear Keith, and all the other revolutionaries in saving your families with the forbidden truth about self-healing. Please like us on Facebook and follow on Twitter at Forbidden Doctor. More information is available at ForbiddenDoctor.com or call us at 866-867-5070. We answer calls. These podcasts are provided for information only. The previous statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Nothing that was said is intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.